All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 49 of The Rink Shrinks. We got some great quotes that we go over at the beginning. Uh, an awesome interview with Nick Bukestad and uh, some holiday wishes to everyone. So what do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 49 of The Rink Shrinks. What do you say, brother? Let's, let's do this. How you been? Everything's good. Everything's good. We uh, weekend of hockey. I uh, was able to get the games in, even though you know this COVID nonsense seems to be running rampant. But a uh, couple games in, so that was good. And uh, and then I was able to catch up uh, at the finals of the uh, the Flood Ma tournament on Sunday, which was um, obviously you know big New England based prep school. I know you were out at one as well, but. I was able to watch uh, Nobles and Greeno play Milton Academy, which it was a great one, great game. Uh, Nobles ended up squeaking it out. I believe it was two to one, um, one goal game, and, and you know, so it was a good, exciting, fun, fun hockey weekend in the ranks. Yeah, it's a great time of year to to see some good, uh, you know, tournament hockey. There's uh, Ryan played up at the Lawrence Academy tournament, Dexter Southfield. Um, they played them. They played Cushing, your alma mater, and uh, Lawrence Academy. Um, went 0-3, but lost to Cushing in overtime. Three really, you know, quality opponents, and it was really good. You know, Thayer has a, a young team, and it was good to see, uh, you know, them play against quality competition. It was good games each game. And there was a Buddy Yendel sighting, the godfather. That's right, the he, bud father. Yeah, he was taking it in with his brother Mike and uh, – Tons, tons of people there at the games. You know, I saw uh, Pando Bear, Jay Pandolfo, Mike Souza, um, a bunch of other, you know, Brendan Buckley. So all the schools are out watching, and uh, it was just good to see good good high school hockey played at a high level, and uh, just fun to be a parent as well. You know, to take it in and uh and enjoy the uh, experience. Yeah, that's great. I uh, I saw ASE, so BC was well represented, and your fellow there, mate. But they uh. Bunch of uh, bunch of sculpture in the stands and exciting stuff. And 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 one of the things that you know kind of piqued my interest was, and we always talk about you know trusting the process and don't get caught up in elite versus triple A or tail one or A and B and you know depending on kind of where you're at. But um, you know a couple of the guys that impressed me the most, and I, I'm going to forget their names, but uh, the goalie for Nobles was a freshman and you know played phenomenal all weekend long, and that was a kid that. You know, he didn't start playing elite hockey uh, and talking to some of the parents with the Boston Junior Eagles around here till his Bantam minor year. Uh, and, you know, fast forward really, you know, three, maybe four years later. And he's, you know, he's definitely I know the national development team that was there watching him and, and you know, big time programs. And it, it, it's great to see. And the other kid that really um, impressed me on Nobles was Lane McDonald's son. Uh, I forget his first name. Is it Ben? Might be Ben, uh, but whatever. I, I I wish I had the roster in front of me, but really good player. And, and you know, from my understanding, he was a kid that grew up playing in that um, you know Wizards program, which isn't you know in the so-called elite uh, league around here. And you know, like chose a different path. And the kids, you know, he's going to Harvard in a few years. And I talked to. Um, Billy Ryan, who's obviously scout, and I talked to um, Witt was over there. He 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 caught a couple games, and you know, like just very impressive. And it's kind of like just you know, 
we get so worked up and parents get so worked up at what level and what summer teams and all this type of stuff that, that kids are playing on. And there's a couple perfect examples right there. Yeah. Just trusting the process and just not rushing the process really is kind of what you're saying. And it is good to see, you know, people develop at different times. And and when you, you know, kind of just take a breath and focus on what you, you know, want to do in that moment, meaning just get the best, be the best you can be. We always talk about being the best you can be in practice, you know, whatever drill it is, things will take care of themselves. And uh, that's important. You know, a bunch of our guests have talked about that as well. So, you know, just kind of reconfirming the message and, you know, just try to stay the course. Yeah. Are you all ready for Christmas shopping and everything? What? Uh, no, I'm, I'm like a last minute guy. Yeah. You know? Go in, go in and buy the mannequin. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that looks uh, good. I'll take that. Yeah. That looks sharp. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember though, I went through a stretch. Uh, I think I bought Courtney like the same color jacket three years in a row because it, it, it just was, looked, it looked uh, great on her. Yeah. On the mannequin. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's, you know, but different lengths, different styles. But, you know, she was like, I guess you like this color on me. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Talking about yeah. that, though, we're, we're I can- about the, uh, you know, working out and skating and whatnot. Once you step foot in that mall, I get mall back and I have oh. to sit down and call a 20 second timeout. And actually a funny story about that was I think we mentioned it, but the massage chair, mm. I don't know. Could ended up buying me a massage chair for Christmas because I sat in it the whole time she was shopping. <laughs> I went she, out. I went out today, and it was the same thing. I we went into one store, and Joanna's like looking for me, and I was on. I was basically like sprawled out on a couch, <laughs> and she's like, "You're embarrassing." And it was. It's just like this isn't my thing. You know what I mean? I'll go like I'll I'll, I'll work out. I'll skate for hours. I'll do whatever. But like, it's exhausting. But I swear to God, even when you're younger. I would go, remember going to Marlboro and like in between games and tournaments, like, you know, you'd go to the mall and walk around it. And I'll, I remember being so tired for that second game because of like what the mall did to me. It just, it's mental, mentally and physically just exhausting. I kind of agree more. Yeah. The mental anguish that you have to go through to go from store to store. And I, I think it is a mental grind. And we had to, we had to, we, it is, it is. We had to do some, uh, a little little hockey shop and so we stopped in up at uh tsr and saw our buddies up there and was supposed to be shopping and i'm shooting pucks in the little shooting range <laughs> she's, yeah, she's trying like, to do the zegras over the net yeah exactly <laughs> like you're a loser uh but yeah fun time of year uh in, in everybody's house but let's uh let's get into it here obviously um you know we do coming up here have a great guest with uh, Nick Bukestad of the uh, Minnesota Wild. That was a great conversation, so we'll get to that in a bit. But there's a couple other things that we want to talk about. The first thing was from um, the new coach at uh, at Notre Dame football, Marcus Freeman. And I just saw this quote, and I really liked it, Mots. I'm not sure if you saw it, but I wanted to read it to you. Um, and it's, it more or less talks about being a player's coach and you know the the mindset of it, but um, which I think is just so relatable to today's day and age with, um, with, with, you know, the athlete and getting, you know, we've, we've moved on from the old school kind of coach that just strikes fear into his players that you wouldn't even think about walking in and saying hi to, you know what I mean? The guys with their heads down and they don't even want to look at you when you walk by them in the hallway. So here's the quote. Um, I'll do my best to read it. 
And again, this is from uh, Marcus Freeman, the new coach at Notre Dame football. So listen, I know I've been labeled as a player's coach and I'm proud to wear that badge, but I'll be honest. I think there's a misconception about a player's coach that, oh, the players like him. He's their buddy. And my players know this just because I don't walk around like I have to put fear in their hearts. That doesn't mean the demands aren't going to be extremely high. I've always been a believer that being a coach doesn't mean there has to be some constant level of discomfort for kids to reach their goals. You can be very demanding and still make people feel good and still make people feel important as long as they believe that you have their best interest at heart. Uh, what do you think about that, Mots? I, I, I like it. Yeah, I think it's great. Well, <clears throat> a couple things there. You know, being a good communicator, having a level of accountability, and no gray areas, you know, as a coach is very important. Um, you can still be a good person, be firm, you know, say tough but fair. That's, you know, another term that some uh, some good coaches some that I've had uh, you could describe. Um, but as far as being a player's coach, yeah, that term, it, yeah, you're not chumming around with them. You have their best interest at, at, at heart. And everything you do is for – the betterment of the team and the buy-in factor has to happen when that, when, when players, any good team, the buy-in factor happens and the coach can coach to the best of his ability and the players can play to the best of their ability. I think it's pretty straightforward, but it's pretty cool that he kind of identified it and uh, kind of verbalized it out into the, the media just to kind of set the record straight. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And, and I like the part where it's like, you know, you can still be very demanding as a coach, like even though you're a player's coach, but as long as you have their best interests at, at heart is and, and make everybody feel a part of the team. And like you said, communicate um, is is just so, you know, critical and in, in being a co- good coach, especially with this, you know, the, the modern day athlete, which, um, you know, I, I think we all grew up in the most of us at least grew up in the era of, you know, y- you run into a coach in the in the lobby of a hotel or in the hallway or you walk into a practice and you know you 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 don't even want to make eye contact with them you know what i mean where uh I, it, there was nothing worse than that in my eyes like i hated a, a coach that wouldn't even you walk by him in the hallway and it's just you and him and he won't even say hey how's you know hey brian how's everything going or, hey mike what's going on you know what i mean like we're not those type of guys but it's it, it you know it's nice to see that that you know, new era of coach is kind of taking over. Yeah, it's a blend, you know, where there is uh, some level of not disconnect, but separation between the head coach and the players. But you still have to have that connectivity to the players, and that's really important. You know, and some some guys can pull it off better because of their personalities, and it sounds like uh, Marcus Freeman's going to do a good job there and and just cultivating a good environment and. Uh, you know, a good culture there at Notre Dame. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I got another one here for you too. Um, and this was from, uh, I found it on Twitter. It was from at Hunter Moles and it was pressure is a privilege. It means things are expected, expected of you. Uh, what do you think about that one? I like that. I mean, it <clears throat> pressures. Uh, this is a, a quote from Jerry York when I was at BC. He's like, cripes. Pressure's what you put in tires. <laughs> and the best part is you don't want that pressure to 
overwhelm you, but th- this quote says, you know, says it pr- pretty, pretty well, you know, it's uh, things are expected of you and there's a level of expectation and accountability. And so it shouldn't be a negative. You should, you know, want to take on that pressure, take on that responsibility of performing at the highest level, uh, whatever level it is. And, um, you know, just use it as more of a challenge to perform the best you can. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I, uh, you know, I, I talked about that, you know, stories before and, and, you know, people feeling, uh, you know, feeling like uncomfortable before games and nervous and things like that. Like, yeah, you know, it, it's good. Like you, you should feel a little, a little something in your stomach. You, feel, you should feel those, you know, those butterflies and things like that. And, and, you know, you should feel, um, it, it is, it's a, it's a privilege. And, you know, the fact that you're playing in that game and different things like that, and there's going to be pressure on you for the rest of your life. And that's something to learn at a young age, whether it's to, you know, go out and have a good game and, you know, support your teammates or to, you know, go out every day and provide for your family. You know what I mean? But that's, those are your expectations as a, as a human being, that's for sure. Yeah, well said. Um, I want to talk to you quick about a, 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 some people that know a thing or two about pressure, about pressure. And that's, uh, and that's Skitscott. Skitscott is the new video-based social media platform that combines the best functionalities of TikTok and Instagram. Skitscott's feature-rich audio and video editor allows its users to create videos up to one minute long. The platform allows users to use augmented reality filters, picture-in-picture, layered audio, and other editing tools found only in costly movie production rooms to express themselves in a short video. Skitscott is also a secured social media platform that respects the privacy of its users. Skitscott does not share, trade, or sell the personal information of its users. This app is made in the USA. Get your skitty on. Get your skitty on. Uh, a couple more things before we get to the interview, and, and you know, we're kind of quote-heavy uh, this episode, but I love this one. And obviously if you opened up social media this past weekend, uh, you might've seen that Tiger Woods played in a tournament with his son. Uh, did you see that by any chance? <laughs> yeah. I saw yeah. a couple of things. Uh, yeah. I actually watched one, that and watched one, one or two, but it was, it was funny. There was one little say, uh, thing on Instagram. It was like, Hey, you want to come over tonight? Some girls like texting this, this guy is like, nah, sorry, I got to watch a 12 year old play golf. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, I, I was on the couch, like totally zoomed in on it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was, I mean, it was, it was very entertaining. And I love the fact that John Daly and his son, uh, you know, won the tournament. I just, you know, obviously John Daly's just a, a, a throwback character in the, in the golf world. And he's obviously been in and out of trouble and things like that, but it's good to see that, his son uh, is a good young stud golfer, and those two, I'm sure, it meant a lot to win that tournament. But the, uh, you know, the Tiger's advice to his son Charlie, and, and the quote was, "No matter how many people are around you, whether it's zero or millions, it doesn't matter. It's the same shot." I'm gonna take that onto the golf course uh, when I have like the beverage cart girl watching, maybe like. <laughs> Yeah, someone passing on the other fairway. I'm like, oh man, I gotta make a shot. <laughs> no, or that first, or that first tee box when the starter's sitting there, or there may, yeah. you know, maybe there's a little backup at a, at a, um, you know, especially when we play in those best ball type tournaments where there's 32 groups at a hole, and yeah. you got to wear your hockey helmet at at uh, presidents. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's good advice. I mean, and if if anyone watched it, it was you know, Charlie definitely has some swagger and has some you know, some game. So, um, you know, just that mental edge that dad can, you know, 
provide some some influence on uh, is only going to make him better. But I, I think it's great advice on on uh, the golf course and or even you know if you relate it to hockey, it doesn't matter if anyone's in the stands or if there's twenty thousand. You know, still got to make the play. Right, and that's I think that's exactly. Um, I think you just hit the nail on the head right there. It's like you're still going to make the play no matter if it's you know you, you, mom and dad and and you know a couple couple other parents in the stands or there's you know. 18,000 people at the Boston garden, like it, the, the, the play is not changing. And, um, you know, it's a privilege to have that pressure. There right? you go. Right. Yeah. So, you know, just even bringing it back to this weekend, uh, for the high school kids, who cares who's there watching, right. You know, for colleges. I mean, it's really good that they're out watching and, and you have the ability to perform with some, some eyeballs on you that could influence your next steps, but you still have to play your game, not try to do too much, you know, it all kind of comes together. So that that, that quote kind of wraps up a bunch of stuff, in, uh, you know, into one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this last one, and and this is the end of the the the, the quotes. But it's you know, the, there's been some really good things, and this is you know more of a statement. And um, it's from Coach Rob, which his Twitter handles at O E B M C N E R N E Y. Coach O E B McInerney, I will say. Um, and he's a he's a uh, influential baseball coach and things like that. And uh, you know his quote was, "I spoke to a Division One baseball coach today about one of our guys. Only three questions: one, what are his grades like? Two, how does he act in practice? And three, what are mom and dad like? Uh, if you don't think these things matter, you are crazy. Not a single question about baseball data, etc. Uh, et so I, I mean, I just loved it because it's like. You know, we talk about parent behavior and, and you know, being caught on live bond and parents and, you know, we, we're constantly kind of poking fun of it and, you know, posting things on our social media channels of, you know, parents acting like fools. And there you have it. Like there's a Division One baseball coach um, and the same things are going to go on in hockey. And, and it's basically the same questions like they all know that the kids can play. Right. But it's those other, you know, three things that are going to make the difference between, you know, player A and player B. Yeah, it's very simple stuff. What you can control, what type of person you are, you know, it all leads into the, what you are as a player. And if you are going to, if they're going to commit, you know, X amount of, you know, financing or scholarship money or whatnot to have you on a team or even just have you as a walk-on, they, they want to get the right people. And that's important for young kids to hear. It doesn't matter if you're just the best player. It's how you conduct yourself all around the rink in the classroom, how you how you interact, um, you know, what type of kid you are, really. Um, when I was scouting with the Blackhawks, my, you know, some of my value was to call around and find out what type of teammate a player was. So if Chicago was ready to make a trade with a certain club and I knew certain guys had played with them, I would, I would give them a buzz and, and just – get you know practice habits off ice habits you know all the uh stuff that matters when someone is trying to you know make an investment in you and um you know unfortunately some of the the trades got you know nixed because the, the player wasn't up to say chicago's you know standards on that side of things but at the end of the day um it goes a long way and uh it's something you can control how often would would that type of stuff happen you think like like so more or less, you know, your role as a scout and you're looking at free agents or trades and, and, and things like that, 
and you're reporting back. Like, so would you say it was pretty common that, you know, management would like next things or they would really rely on you as a, as a scout to, you know, basically do the dirty work on that player um, or those players. And, and, you know, if you didn't like him or if you heard, you know, negative things surrounding him, uh, you would, you would kind of nip it in the butt, right? Yeah. Well, that's the unfortunate part, you know, more often than not, there was uh, a lot of positives coming out of guys that they were interested in. So it was um, an exciting time for me because, you know, you go to the games and I, I knew a lot of the players I'm watching and you write reports, it gets a little mundane, but when it comes around, um, you know, trade talks, it was it was very valuable information that um, you know allowed management to make more informed decisions, and it wasn't what they saw on the ice, and and that goes back to um, coach's quote here, and uh, or his you know th- those statements that he he was right. saying, and that it really does you know play a factor in especially as you climb the ladder, you know as things um, you know the, the separation between players is very small, so those. <laughs> intangible or character type situations really play a bigger role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. And, and it's great insight, especially in the scouting world. And, you know, whether it's baseball or hockey, I think everybody's kind of asking the same questions. Uh, Mots, before we get to our interview, uh, we did receive an email this, this, um, you know, in the last day or so here um, about the passing of a, of a young hockey player, which is uh very unfortunate. I think it's important we uh, we bring it up. Uh, this email we got was from uh, Sam Matthews, who's uh, the assistant coach at Aquinas College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, they're an ACHA, uh, which we talked about last episode, Division One program. Um, and unfortunately, on Saturday, December 18th, their assistant captain, uh, Alex Klakota, um, and I, I could be messing up his name but he passed away in his sleep and uh you know this obviously i'm just going to kind of summarize here and chime in when you feel it's best but i think um you know obviously talking to um you know the 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 message from coach coach matthews he can't speak highly enough about uh alex's his character he was somebody that showed up every day uh for his teammates and that's what he always wanted to be known as uh, he'd be in the room for three hours before and after practice, helping teammates with his homework, leading a stretch, watching film. And uh, I'd just like to read um, Coach Matthews's fondest memory of uh, of Alex. And um, and then Mott's obviously you want to chime in at any point. But my fond- fondest memory um, of coaching Alex was we were playing a team that we were leading five to nothing. And he had already been on the score sheet several several times that night. It was early in the third, and our breakout was disrupted, and we had an in-zone face-off, which led to an opposing shot and a whistle. We put new guys on the ice, and Al's line and our two uh, 2D came off. At this point, I couldn't see the wings on the wall because of the way the bench was set up, so I didn't know what happened on the wall prior to the play. Alex came back to the bench and apologized to both uh, both the D and to the and, and the center for not skating hard enough and having enough low support on the breakout in a game where we were up we were up by 5 not only was he one of the best players and not not only was he one of our best players in 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 his character and his character was second to none there were uh, hundreds of stories like that about Lee, about him uh, he was truly a dream to coach 
Alex also helped coach local square teams the past few years and spent many hours volunteering in the community. Um, so just very sad. And, you know, we're sorry to, you know, have this loss, especially this time of year in the hockey community. Yeah. Just even going off of what we just talked about, you know, the character player and it's, it's just such a sad situation here, but you know, that one little example of, you know, being a good teammate, you know, and he said that he's like someone who showed up every day for his teammates. So that's what what he want, wanted to be remembered as. Um, and you know, that, that small little example of working hard to, to get open for his teammate, that's selflessness. That's playing the game the right way. All the stuff that we, you know, as coaches try to implore our players to do. Um, and Alex was, was a model, uh, player person and you know just um his coach uh, coach matthews here couldn't speak highly enough of him so our thoughts and prayers uh go out to the family and uh, his teammates and um please keep um you know prayers over the holidays and squeeze your your loved ones close yeah, well said, Mots. Um, well, up next, we we have a great interview with um, with Nick Bukestad. Um, before we get to that conversation, we'd just like to to let you know that this inter- interview is brought to you by Franklin Street Hockey, the official ball and street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Ice hockey season is in full swing, and Franklin has you covered with their NHL equipment bag, on-ice stick trainer, and more. Visit franklinsports.com and check out their new ice hockey gear today. Um, Mots, did you did you get a chance to hit up the uh, warehouse sale or what? I didn't get a chance. I was uh, I was going to try and swing by my parents and just pop over. It's only like two miles from my parents' house, so but um, I did not. But I did some online shopping. Um, at Frank uh, FranklinSports.com and, and looking to to hide that when it comes uh, onto the porch tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully it gets <laughs> gets there in time. Yeah, uh, no, that's great. That's great. Well, now it's time to kick it over to our guy Bugie Nick Bugstead. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. All right, and our next guest is a former first round pick, number nineteen overall by the Florida Panthers. He stands tall at six foot six and two hundred and twenty seven pounds. He's played in five hundred and five NHL career games. A former Mister Hockey winner, uh, he currently plays not uh, for not only his home state's team but also the hottest team in the NHL. Um, welcome to the Rink Shrinks podcast, Nick Bukestad. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. It's Beauty. been a long, long time coming. I mean, you and Mots had a cup of coffee, coffee together back in the day, right? When, when you were early in your career, and Mots was on the tail end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to sit next to Mots on the plane. Got to hear a lot of good stories. Uh, yeah. So it was a, it was an absolute pleasure being able to play with him. I mean, they never know with the BC guys, so uh, <laughs> you know we meshed pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I was a mid-season black ace, so I had a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> you know, I, just, I think I only played like seven games and like throughout the whole year, but uh, I specifically remember um, seeing your development. You know, that was your second year, and you just started to really find your game. Um, I remember one game against Detroit; you just manhandled Datsuk and went in and roofed it. And I'm like, "That's my boy, Yugi." <laughs> just like, just, like using his size and his skill set, and just it was really cool to see like the, the the confidence growing in your game. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Moss. That only happened once against Datsuk. <laughs> I was usually on the other end of it, but uh, yeah, um, 
you know, Florida, I was around a lot of guys like yourself, a lot of guys that have been in the league and, you know, been playing hockey a lot of years. So I cherish hearing stories from guys like yourself and, uh, you know, the Ed Jovanoskis and the Brad boys. Is, um, that's that's where you really learn about the game and how, how to kind of operate on and off the ice. So, um, you know, you got to take you got to take what you can at that time. You know, you think you're going to be playing forever. And then now it's nine years later. And it's like, wow, that did it's a blink of an eye. So and guys say it. It's so cliche, but it's so true. It's crazy how fast it goes. Yeah, how do you think Mott's and the rest of those old guys felt when when you were looking up to them? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. All of a sudden, I'm the old guy in the locker room now too. Especially, I mean, it's getting even younger since you were in the league, Mott's. Right. Um, so, I mean, even being 29, that's not old by any means, but it is relatively speaking nowadays. So, um, you know, you've seen what these young kids can do. Just kind of <laughs> try to keep up with them. So. Absolutely. Well, Bugi, let's um, let's kind of start at the beginning here. Obviously, you know, you you grew up in Minnesota, which is obviously a hockey hotbed. But um, you know, you, you had an uncle Scott that that you know played over three hundred games in the NHL. But how? What was your kind of first introduction to hockey? Was it something that you know you started at three, four years old and just took a liking to right away, or um, you know, when did that you, you kind of fall in love with the game? I guess is my question. Yeah, for me, uh, it was it was early on. It was, I think, three years old. My dad and I were talking about that the other day because we had my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter on the ice, and he's he thinks that's even a bit early. But, um, yeah, I obviously was uh, born kind of into it with my uncle. My dad played similar story to most of us hockey players. Um, but I, I think I was, from what it sounds like, I was just obsessed with the game. Uh, <laughs> I'd sleep with my hockey stick, my mom said, my dad would have me walking around the carpet. That's how I kind of learned to uh, balance on my skates, walk around on the carpet inside. And then um, I think organized hockey, three, four years old. So Minnesota, there's no shortage of uh, rinks. Basically, every few miles, there's a rink on every corner. Obviously, the outdoor hockey is huge there. So um, I, I'm very fortunate to have uh, grown up in that area and, um, you know, be – be uh, given the opportunity just to play all the time. So um, we were playing street hockey as a kid, um, mini, mini hockey. It was It's an obsession. I'm sure you guys see with your kids, and I'm sure it was the same with you guys. But um, the love of the game, that's how it all kind of starts. And if that carries on and you, you're lucky enough to um, be gifted with some skills and um, some good people around you, then then things kind of come together. So, um, yeah, it, just, it, it started early for me. And, um you know, the passion's been there since I was basically I can remember. Uh, who were some of the early influences on your your development? And, you know, kind of you said you have that internal burning desire, that love of the game. But was there anyone that really uh, kind of played a bit a pivotal role in your development? Yeah, I mean, uh, my uncle Scott having him play in the NHL and play for the Minnesota Gophers. That to me was like. Uh, you know, even playing for the Minnesota Gophers, we didn't have the the Wild or the North Stars at that point, so that was like my NHL team, and uh, my uncle played for them. So he was an idol and someone who was always involved in my development. And uh, you know, I think I listened to him a little more than I did my dad, <laughs> which I, I mean, it's probably common for most kids. Um, 
but uh yeah he's he's taught me so much and um especially in the shooting department he's someone that um specializes in that department he's a shooting instructor and um yeah so lucky to have a guy like that to kind of look up to and have that mentorship I hope my kids are listening to me more than their uncle. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got to disagree with you there. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're probably not. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, you know, growing up playing, you know, obviously youth hockey, um, you know, Minnesota, I think, and, and they still kind of do it right where guys are playing for their towns and there's not so caught up in the select hockey, like, you know, the, the, kind of the problems that we see here in Massachusetts, it's become so much of a business, but can you talk a little bit about that? Like, where did you, you know, did you just play, um, you know, for, did you, you grew up in Blaine? Is that correct? Yep. And did you, did you guys just play for town or do you play select as well? Or how did that kind of work at those, you know, younger youth hockey um, level? Yeah. So started basically with the same kids from when I was four or five years old, playing with them till I was 18, till I graduated um, in high school, which, um, you know, I kind of alluded to before how lucky we are to have um, such a rich tradition, uh, kind of culture of high school hockey. The state tournament's obviously a huge deal. So um, I, I know guys from out of state think all the Minnesotans were all kind of uh, just, I don't know. They just they were just we're jealous different. of the flow. <laughs> yeah, 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 I never had the flow. But um, yeah, so I, I grew up with the same kids and you, I grew up watching Matt Hendricks. He won... Uh, state championship in 2000, Matt Hendricks, Brandon Bochinski. Uh, my uncle was the head coach of that team. So it's just like, I don't know, like the whole town's into it. And, um, you know, that, I mean, such a huge hockey place. So being able to grow up with the same kids, develop with the same kids, um, and then go on that big stage. If you do make the state tournament, which we were lucky enough to make it um, when I was in high school, we never won it. But uh still just getting there and playing in front of 18,000 people with the kids you, you started might hockey with is so incredible. And, um, you know, we would play uh, summer hockey, triple-A hockey. We would travel um, the Minnesota Blades. We'd go to the we'd brick tournament, and um, we'd do that whole bit in the summer. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically same guys, same team growing up. Um, you know, that's that's a pretty cool thing. Now, did you now, ever have? Sorry, go Mons, go ahead. Now, no, no, no. Now, did you ever have a uh, a chance to uh, beat up on the cake eaters? <laughs> well, that's a problem. <laughs> I, we never beat the cake eaters. So we're from the north side, which is a little more blue collar. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'd always have like one and a half good lines, and or we were just weren't as deep as uh, Edina. They were. They, they have an unbelievable program, obviously. Um, if everyone kind of around the country, I think from the Mighty Ducks knows who the cake eaters are, but, um, <laughs> I think in my career, I don't think we beat them once from when I was squirt to high school. Oh, wow. Uh, so I definitely, uh, I have a vendetta against those guys. All my teammates live in Edina now. I can't move there. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting my kids grow up a cake eater. No chance. <laughs> oh, oh, that's amazing. Did you guys have, um, was it the same coach kind of, you know, like throughout you talked about, you know, from mites basically to high school age, obviously at high school, I know you, you, the coaching was different, but was it the same coach? Was it parents? Was it like a, you know, a, a non-parent coach or uh, did it rotate every couple of years? 
Yeah, I kind of rotated. I had the same coach, uh, Sky Richard. He was like my big, uh, like best coach I had from when I was little, literally till I was graduating. Um, so he was a big part of my career. But yeah, a lot of when we were younger, it was parent coaching, which I'm a little, <laughs> it's good and it's bad at times. Um, you know, a lot of the ones that are involved that they, they want to obviously be involved. They love the game. Um, but I, you see situations where the dads get involved and uh, I hope I'm never overly, uh, you know, you get overly um, hyper aware of your kids sometimes. And I think uh, it's good to have other coaches kind of telling you what to do. And like for myself, I listened, I didn't listen to my dad as well. I, I'll be honest. So like different coaches, my uncle, I think that's good to have. Um, but we had a good community where, um, you know, the youth hockey program was really connected and really, um, you know, put a lot of effort and money into the, the youth hockey association. So as far as, uh, you know, parent coaching, you know, we both coach our, our, our kids and I didn't have that to deal with when I was growing up. So there is a real, you know, issue at times because it's tough to say separate, you know, dad and coach. And I want to talk to him the same way as I'm talking to everyone else. But from his angle, it's not it's dad, too. You know, so I just I just think that's a kind of a a different dynamic. You know, again, I didn't have it growing up and I, I never had to have that awkward car ride home with my dad after being dash four. But (laughs) um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, thank god he didn't see your alumni game the other day <laughs> yeah. was, it just wasn't my my day oh man but yeah, yeah. I'm sure I, I think the the i think it's more common now that your parents are coaching um so it can like i said it can be good uh it's just i think the parents have to be um aware of uh you know how the kid um is emotionally just where they're at physically i i think a lot of times there can be unrealistic expectations for your own kid um which obviously you want the best for them but at the same time you gotta let them know when they're they're not working hard enough or um you know they're just not playing hard and and on the other side of the coin i think it's good for dads i've seen a lot of dads that are just extra hard on their kids you know and they they don't kind of give them a pat on the butt when they need it every once in a while. So yeah, just kind of finding that happy medium, I think is good. And um, I say this without having coached a kid yet. So that'll be the telling tale. I have no idea, but uh, this is just from my experience uh, as my inner child. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it, 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 it's not easy. And Mots and I, we kind of get the question a lot just from uh, listeners and stuff like that. And it's, it's difficult and you've got to find the balance. Like there's a lot of times where it's like, you know, at times you wish you didn't have to coach, but you also look at like what the other options are and you're like, all right, well, I think I know a a lot more about the game than this person. And I can actually give, you know, not only my son, but the other players on the team uh, a lot more than, you know, whoever the other option may be. But I think it's so important. And what, you know, I'm trying to do is surround myself with, with, with good people and good assistants that kind of, you know, it's not like a head coach assistant. I, I should just say good other, you know, people that know a lot about the game and they can kind of pull your son aside and talk to him. And so it's not always just like, dad, you're all over me type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's huge. And I, I think today's game too, I just, with, with kids, 
uh, they're just it's a different mindset too I, I think uh it's less old school even in the nhl you see and i'm sure you saw it when you were towards the end mots and just like coaching style kind of changed the kids are more i don't know if it's more <laughs> in tune with their emotions or what but it, it just kind of the culture is changing right um you can say it this softer. <laughs> well, I, well, I might be involved in that too. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just think like it's good for you guys. You guys have been through the whole deal. You played college hockey, and um, you know there's a lot, lot for those kids to learn too. So um, when you can have experienced coaches, I think that's probably the the biggest difference maker. Right. Right. Yeah, we try to. You know, we're on the same page, Brian and I. We we do some specific camps and whatnot but it's just you know to have that other voice is really important but you know and we're trying to talk about concepts and and you know urgent areas of the eyes puck management trying to give these kids like you know ideas or or just like the right way to play the game because as you get you know higher and higher and whether it be high school moving on to junior college whatever um those areas mean you know are more important as you get you know into these situations and you want to win games as a result, and it's a result-oriented, you know, situation. So at the NHL, it's like really cool to to get, use those examples because if it, you turn it over in an area, it's in the back of the net more yeah. often than not. So yep. j- just try to have the same concepts and the same kind of approach to these kids, and it's you know, it's been kind of frustrating at times because the light bulb doesn't go off, you know, as quickly as you want it to. But you know that message, and it's important to kind of continue on. You know, trying to teach these kids uh, how to play the right game, uh, right yeah, way. Definitely. Uh, Bugie, I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously being Minnesota and, you know, the the lakes and ponds and things like that, how much of your development uh, took place kind of like in that unstructured, you know, out on the, whether it was street hockey or pond hockey or, or, or whatever it was, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, kind of that shinny type of atmosphere. Because um, we feel that, you know, the kids nowadays just aren't playing as much as, you know, we did. And you know, like, we were always out playing street hockey and things like that. And that's something that we're trying to really stress um, is kids like go out and play and make mistakes on your own, whether it's shinny hockey or roller hockey or whatever. And, and you, you know, you, you look at the skill level around the league now and, you know, guys like Trevor Zegers making that play last night, like he, you know, likely he probably did that move the first time playing, you know, in a street hockey with his buddies type of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I never, I've never attempted that move in street hockey or in practice <laughs> or anything. So that's, uh, I think that's a new wave of kids, but yeah, I grew up, uh, I mean, it was outdoor hockey all the time. I'd be crying if I couldn't go to the rink. My parents made me stay back and, uh, do schoolwork or but that's important too, kids. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a house, actually. My dad and my mom, I think, bought the house. My dad more so. I think his vision was... So, you got to start with, I think the house was like $100,000. And I think the value was way down because the whole entire backyard was a tennis court. uh, And it it had no grass. It was just this this guy put a tennis court. He's a tennis coach. uh, And my dad said he peeked out at it. He's like, this is the house. So... I was lucky enough to grow up with that in my backyard. Everyone thinks I was probably a cake eater, but it was not the case. Uh, so I, I grew up with that, and we were on that thing all summer, all day, every day, playing street hockey, playing different sports too, not just not just hockey. And I think that's important where you 
Um, you can learn different skills. We play tennis, basketball, everything on that court. But um, those are some of the most fun times. And like you say, you don't have a coach harping on you. Um, you can try different things. And um, when it gets cold in Minnesota, there's not much else to do. You go out on the outdoor rink and play with your buddies. And, um, you know, that's that's where the skills are kind of honed. So um, I would I would urge kids to do more of that. Um, and I guess I would urge them also to not, not just get caught up in being one-dimensional in one sport. Um, even though <laughs> – I loved the hockey so much. That's all I really wanted to do. I played football, lacrosse. I tried, I did the different sports, but um, I wanted to be on the ice all the time. And now I kind of look back and wish, well, I wish I would have played baseball. Um, you know, just some different things um, to change your, you know, um, it's just different sport to have a little different hand-eye and different challenges and whatnot, different types of teammates. Um but I think it's hard. Parents look at it now where you got to spend a lot of money and, uh, you know, have individual coaches, which is all great. But um, I, I think the guys develop. I mean, look at your brother, Keith. I don't, he said he hadn't touched a weight until he was 18. You know, he just had fun playing hockey. That's, that's the biggest thing. And I think if you have the skill, eventually it, it'll come out of you and the scouts will notice you and you'll develop into a player. But if you don't have the love for the game and you're just doing it to, you know, maybe play in the NHL one day without having a real passion for it, that's where um, I think guys run into trouble or their families. Now, were you always a big guy, Bugi, or did you kind of have a growth spurt at a certain age? Yeah, I was always tall and tall and skinny, uh, but I hit my big growth spurt in tenth grade. Uh, I think I was like you could basically see through me. I was like six foot two. Uh, six foot three, like 165, 170. So I, water. we were lucky enough, my high school, um, like our, our team, we all kind of, we trained pretty hard. That's why I was so surprised, Brian, when Keith told me he hadn't touched a weight until he was 18 or not, whatever it was, it was later, which now I look at it and go, yeah, that's probably the way to do it. Cause you don't need to be burning your body out at a young age. And, um, I've gone through a lot of, um, physiological problems i've had a few surgeries uh so I, I i contemplate how much is enough and when you know when you should start you know touching the weights and whatnot but um uh, i was able to put on weight pretty pretty early on at about 10th grade and um was lucky to be around that and um yeah so yeah i'm kind of rambling sorry <laughs> no no you're good you're good keep going um well, I think that that it's interesting you said that you had that big growth spurt, and that was around the time um, just reading up on you, like you made the decision to stay at, at you know, at Blaine and, you know, continue out your high school career and not go to the national development program. What was that decision like? Do you, was it was it that big of a deal to you or was it, you know, you know, I think nowadays people are, are they get so caught up in those type of things and like, you, you know, you just kind of stayed with your path and, and, and did your thing. And, and obviously you, you know, you felt that staying in your public high school was the right decision for you. Yeah, that was a tough one. I took like a month of uh, trying to figure out what I was going to do going back and forth, which was probably too much time for me to think at that age. I didn't really, you know, I had no idea what I needed or wanted. Uh, my parents kind of let me make the decision. And at the end of the day, I was just, we, we had a good group at Blaine and, um, 
I didn't really know as far as my my physical development. I wasn't totally there. I was, like I said, I was just a rail. Um, and I didn't really know, like, if I was ready to, you know, leave to maybe go play a third, fourth line role. Who knows how it would have developed, obviously. But uh, at that time, that's kind of how I was sitting. And um, so I obviously made the decision to stay home. And, um, you know, I was happy with that. It was, a, it was a tough one. I think Minnesotans, it's easier for guys to say no. I think we had three or four guys that year actually say no and stay stay in high school, which is, you know, pretty cool. Obviously, USA uh, development program is great, but, um, you know, that that's where I think we're so fortunate that we don't have to go to the other side and, uh, you know, think the grass is greener. There's so many guys before us that have made it to the NHL and have been impact players. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, looking back, I, I think it was the right decision because I was able to, um, you know, play first line and kind of develop and get a lot of ice time. Um, but it's just my road, my path, and everyone's got different paths. So, um, and, you know, I can't say one way or the other is, is the best way. But for me, that, that was uh, fitting for me. Uh, how do you think Minnesota high school hockey is now? Um, you think it's the same, better, worse? Yeah, I haven't got to see a ton of it uh, as of late. Um, it's still developing a lot of draft picks, uh, a lot of collegiate players. So I, I'd have to say it's it's still going pretty strong. Um, I, I do think with all these junior teams, um, you know, there are there are players and, and parents that think the grass is greener. Um, and a lot of times it's not. You know, if you're in a good situation and um, you like where you're at, if you're able to develop there, I, I don't really see a point in in leaving. Um, but it, it's hard sometimes when you got USHL scouts, NAHL, um, you know, BC, all these different leagues and, uh, you know, there's all these different camps and whatnot. So it's, I'm sure parents' heads are spinning nowadays, but, um, it, in my opinion, your kid's going to make it, um, if, if they're made to make it. So obviously getting challenged that's that's the biggest thing are they getting challenged enough and um can they develop there that's that's the biggest thing no that's great did uh i want to know who'd you beat out when you when you won the mr mr hockey in the state of minnesota (laughs) uh i know you know yeah yeah uh so i i brock nelson was yeah he was a northern northern minnesotan kid so they kind of get uh get the shaft on the, on the Mr. Hockey award, because when we play in the city, we're playing a lot of the, the bigger schools. So Brock, you know, coming from unreal high school player, obviously an elite NHL player. Now, uh, I think it's harder for those Northern schools to get it. And I was going to the university of Minnesota anyways. Uh, yeah. So he definitely could have won it that year, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, we were kind of head to head there. Is he from the iron range? Yeah, War Road, which is uh, where T.J. Oshie's from. It's oh, yeah. like a town of, I don't know, like 3,000 people, and they've developed all these NHL and uh, female Olympians. So, yeah, I mean, you don't have – it's not just the, the city of Minneapolis and the suburbs around it. It's it's all scattered out um, around the state. So, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of guys that can develop there. 
Oh, that's great. How was the, uh, your, you know, your college decision-making process? Was it, you know, were you just set on going to the University of Minnesota because your uncle had went there or did you take visits to other schools or um, did the gopher just put you in a headlock and say you're coming here type of thing? <laughs> the gopher, yeah, I mean, it, I was in a gopher headlock mentally. Like I wasn't going anywhere else if they asked me. Um, and I never really... I always had the mentality. I wasn't a, I was a very confident kid growing up. It was like, all right, I'm squirts. Like, I just got to try to make the squirt team. I got to make the peewee team. And now I made the bantam team. Like, holy crap, I'm on the bantam team. So it, I never really, like, even thought I wanted to. But my parents were always like, yeah, like, make sure you do your schoolwork because, like, there's a very fat chance you're going to make it even to play for the Gophers. And for me, that was like – there's no wild, like I said. So – it was the it was like the biggest deal for me. I couldn't believe it. Uh, they offered, and I was gonna go to Wisconsin and North Dakota, and I already hated them so much that I was like, <laughs> I can't. I, looking back on it, I wish I would have I would have went on a visit, honestly, or just to different schools to kind of see what they were like. Uh, so I'd advise kids nowadays, don't just go with your you know first visit that um, you're all excited about. But I mean, obviously, I was lucky enough to get that offer. And, um, yeah, I, I called Lucia like two days after and I didn't even put, have to put any thought into it. So isn't the go, of, isn't the gopher like a scholarship athlete, that guy? Yeah. Yeah. The gopher's legit. Yeah, did the, he the tell story. you the, sto the story about him? Mots, did I, I've told the story, right? No, I don't know. I think so, you gotta, oh, you gotta tell yeah, it, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We so we had like this wildy cat that would just wildy skate around cat. and like wave and like it was like a girl like you know and like the band just they're they're in warm-ups and she's like wave and i think so my freshman year we lost to minnesota in the national championship and this was my my sophomore year so like they smoked us in the finals and so obviously you're like pretty intimidated and they were loaded it was like you know keith ballard and uh paul martin vanek uh they they, they would they probably had like seven legitimate like nhl guys that played a long time so it was like you knew you were in one going out there and the the wildy cats like waving to the crowd and this and that and the band just starts banging like in between um warm-ups and in the first period and the band's going boom boom and next he just like does a couple like hard crossovers and just runs wildy cat like <laughs> <laughs> over the boards like so we're going off for warm so obviously i don't see it and i see our uh colin shank who's like our, our uh, director of hockey ops i'm like dude what happened to wildy he's like oh he's like the gopher just like legitimately like chaotic <laughs> and we're like oh we're screwed yeah oh, we can't yeah. even win in the mascot game <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're legit they take it seriously i i mean i think that's any university nowadays i think they get on scholarship uh yeah i think it's pretty pretty legit they can't reveal themselves so obviously that that gopher at that point in time probably should have probably should have taken a chill pill he might have got in trouble nowadays doing that but that's I hilarious just the gopher. Wild. Yeah. i think i think i think the next year unh came back and they they have the another guy now they call him like Niles or something that's like a dude that you know he's trying to try to <laughs> he tries to stand up for wildy cap but the poor thing oh, he's probably still got ct <laughs> yeah oh that's unbelievable yeah the gopher's just setting the tone for the game i but guess oh, oh, yeah just a leader yeah it was five nothing <laughs> before the end of the first that's for sure i'm sure yeah those that's are the, the only part i remember about the game 
<laughs> I didn't even see it. <laughs> oh, that's unreal. <laughs> I probably ended up minus five anyways, but uh, we'll talk about, you know, that, that, I guess that university of Minnesota atmosphere uh, when you were there and play, obviously it's great fan base. I, I was able to go out there and had a nice night at the library, that bar there, uh, which nice. was, was, a, was a good time. But uh, talk about that environment and being a Minnesota kid playing there and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I grew up watching those teams you played. That was, uh, you know, I, I had newspaper clippings of them all over my room um, when they won back-to-back national championships and, you know, kind of idolized those guys. So when I got to play there, it was pretty cool because a lot of the alumni goes back and trains and you get to meet the Blake Wheelers and the different guys that you kind of grew up watching. Um, and then, yeah, the, the culture is just, I don't know. I'm sure it's similar to BC where, you know, there's guys coming in from uh, mostly Minnesota when I was there. Now they're kind of expanding, but um, you kind of got these best guys you grew up playing against. It's kind of like a Minnesota all-star team. And, um, you know, that, that can have its challenges in itself where you recruit a lot of guys that were, you know, top, top three or top guys on their team. And you kind of got to, check your egos at the door and we had a couple teams uh my my it was my sophomore and junior year that i was there um that we really came together and um i i think that it can be hard for these bigger schools i watched michigan and minnesota the other night where you have all these 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 first rounders and guys that are you know obviously going to play after um so you got to find a way to mash together and um, we had a couple teams that did that we had one tough year and then um you know, playing for the, for the Gophers, it was it was awesome. Never won a national championship thanks to BC, um, and Johnny Gaudreau and uh, Hazy, and they, they had a they had a good group when they 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 whopped us in the Frozen Four. I think it was like five to one. So, um, but yeah, it was it was a great experience. Got to get my education. I, I finished school, took summer classes every summer, and um, yeah, it's just. It was awesome. So I'd recommend any, I'm sure there's a lot of Easterners uh, listening to this podcast. Uh, come check out Minnesota if, if you're, uh, if you're interested, it's a great school. Yeah. yeah, That atmosphere is great. I love the the rank, the bowl, you know, the fans are right on top of you and they're, they're very vocal and oh, yeah. uh, into the game. So it made for, I used to love, I think we played there. I think we played there like eight times over the course of my uh, four years at BC, we we really? had the the regionals. Oh, yeah. We go we go out for the uh, the Christmas tournament, and then the icebreaker. What was that the Mariucci or something? The Mariucci, yeah, yeah, yeah. I played yeah, that too. Yeah. So yeah, we I think it was like eight times we're going out there. But you know, <clears throat> having some some good friends who I became friendly with from like national teams and. Yeah, that they would show us a good time. Uh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. After the Saturday night game, it was like Halloween. And just going to a Halloween party, like Miski, Aaron Miskovich, uh, <laughs> was one of my guys. He's like, Matza, what are we doing in warm-ups? He's like, what are we doing after the game? <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, w- w- whatever you want to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm in your town. Yeah, oh, so just a lot of great, great guys that I know that went there and enjoyed uh, their time, Casey Hankinson being one of them. Yeah. Um, so it was just a, a, a lot of uh, – Good players, good people, and um, yeah, I, I like the, the the plug for the 
the Gophers <laughs> yeah. get some Easterners. <laughs> Gopher commercial, no, but I, you know, I, I know. have to throw that out there. I know there's probably a lot of kids that want our parents that uh, big PC, BU. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a good place. I was, I was actually, if I didn't ever get a lick from the Gophers, I remember getting asked this. I was like, I would go look at the Eastern schools. I thought that would be cool to go out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, now college hockey, there's just so many teams you can you can choose from that are a, a very good. There's so many. There's, it's not watered down by any means. I think it's just that USA Hockey is developing so many more players and there's better teams. So um, I think that's cool to see, definitely. No, it's awesome. We'd like to talk to you quickly about TSR Hockey. Now is the time to get those backyard rinks all set up before the ground freezes. Our friends at TSR have three different rink kits that you can choose from. If you don't need the whole kit, individual liners and brackets are available. They also have in the new Bauer Rex skates. The Whistler skates are almost sold out, but they have plenty of the Expedition skates for ODR season. You can reach their team store at 603-912-5970. Ask for Mike or Dave, and they can take care of you. TSR Stocks. Team apparel for CCM and Bauer and does everything in-house, embroidery and printing. TSR Hockey is New England's premier hockey store and is a proud sponsor of the Rink Shrinks. Visit TSRHockey.com. Now let's kick it back to Bugi. Talk about, um, you know, you talked about kind of your humble beginnings and and like that next step on the totem pole. But what was it like, you know, going in and, and you know, ultimately you ended up being drafted as a first rounder. Was that something that like, you predicted or you had an agent and, and, and stuff like that, that that you were working with or a family advisor, I should say. And, and it was like, oh, I'm expecting to be a first rounder or was it kind of a shock? When did when did that was it after you had you played a year of college already? No. So I actually accelerated my I did my junior and senior year of high school and won. That was my draft year because I was old for my grade. It kind of bit my parents and bit me in the butt because in kindergarten, I was a summer birthday, so the boys, they kind of usually hold back. I think my dad's thinking athletic-wise. Uh, I probably wasn't very smart either, but uh, they, <laughs> they, they held me back. And uh, so I was old for my grade already, but then I, had, I did the two years in one and um, went in as a freshman after being drafted. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I honestly, like, I, I had no idea until that that year of the draft basically when they started coming out with the central scouting stuff i it was like i couldn't believe it my dad we had a yeah, our family advisor my agent now ben hankinson and chris McAlpine. my dad I just, they tell the story now where my dad's like really like are you guys sh-? like my, i think my dad was more in disbelief that um you know scouts were interested so i mean i don't know it was, it was a crazy deal um but and it all it all goes fast and um, kind of makes you grow up pretty quick. You're doing interviews with NHL scouts and um, going to the combine, and you know those are great experiences to have as a 17 year old, where uh, you know pretty high pressure and uh, you're kind of learning about yourself at that point. So um, when you get drafted, even then it's like, well, okay, you're drafted, but how many first rounders even don't even make it to the NHL? Um, you see it quite a bit. So I, I, it was just for me, like a starting point, like I have potential and, uh, I got to put in the work now. So, um, I was lucky enough to kind of have that humble attitude 
from my parents and um yeah I, I think that's that's a big thing to really know like yeah you got drafted or you're committed that doesn't really mean anything until you're there you know and then you're there and now it's the next step of you know producing in that in that league or for that team was that decision to accelerate your junior senior year was that like something you worked out with the university of minnesota or how did that kind of play out yeah uh so we yeah basically don aaron ness i don't know if you guys remember that name he's he's still in arizona system uh he had done it and he was like uh he was an elite high school player um so we kind of followed his footsteps on how it went uh our academic advisor, we went in there and kind of laid out there. My parents were like, all right, here's what the university says we can do. And she's like, no, I'm like, what do you mean? You're not doing, you're not doing two years of high school in one. So it, we kind of had to figure it out as we went. I did online school and then I had on Saturdays, I had to go to uh, community college. And I was like, so it was a lot of school, which I don't know. You just get through it. You feel you, you you show up and, um, you know, try to do your best, but it was a lot for me at that point, trying to get that done. And, um, you know, other guys have done it. I think it's more common nowadays where guys are doing it. Um, so yeah, luckily it all worked out and, um, yeah, ended up graduating with the, the older class and, um, it's kind of weird because people, I, I run into people and it's like, Oh, I graduated with, you but i didn't really graduate i don't remember my 2010 class really all my buddies were in the 2011 so it was kind of weird but um you know it was part of part of my path of um kind of trying to make it to the nhl you're like doogie hauser <laughs> I'm a, i don't know who that is I've heard <laughs> <laughs> we're showing our age months <laughs> doogie hauser who calls you that i don't know i i had a teammate i'm trying to think uh i think it was actually a college teammate that used to call me that what show that's was unbelievable it? <laughs> so it was a, a, yeah it was a show when we were kids oh, yeah, yeah he uh he was like a 15 year old doctor oh yeah. <laughs> nice all right yeah <laughs> i've been called much worse <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, and I mean, you, you, did you, you graduated college in three years too, or did you just take an extra classes and stuff like that? What was your major? Rocks the jocks or something? Yeah, it was business marketing. Uh, so I, yeah, I did that. And I was, you're kind of in the groove of just taking classes. And I don't know, I was on, I lived 20 minutes from campus anyway. Um, so I trained you know, every day at the U and, you know, you go to class, you go to a couple classes, um, during the day in the summer. And I, I didn't really dislike that cause you kind of stayed in the groove. You never really got out of it. Um, so I did graduate after the three years after I left after my junior year and, um, got to walk with my class that next year. So that, that was important for me. Um, you know, like I said, my parents stressed that when I was a kid, like, you don't know how long it's going to last. You don't. Um, so, you know, having something in your back pocket, even if it's business marketing, I have no idea what, where that'll take me. Uh, but you know. it sounds legit. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, yeah. Business, the business school, is the really business part, like, yeah, it's a separate entity. It wasn't the good part of the business school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you, you were able to play some NHL games when you left, uh, 11 games that season, scored your first goal. Who was that against? That was against Tampa. Yeah. You know the goalie? Is a Swedish goalie. Uh, give me a sec. No. He only had a cup of tea in the game, and I. Someone asked me this, and I couldn't tell him. I had to think about it. It's like Lindbergh or something. Uh, it wasn't Vasilevsky. That'd be a lot cooler, but <laughs> yeah, we'll say it was. Yeah, yeah. So it was the eleventh game of of my. I played eleven games after my college season, and I hadn't scored, so I scored that eleventh game. And the Cats were well out of the playoffs. Like it was just like get this game over with, and we're done with the season. So I scored. I'm all jacked up after the game. We had won, and you know how you get the picture with the puck, whatever. Nothing. It was just like everyone, in the, 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 like every, the whole locker room was emptied. I'm like, all right, well. So I was a little different scoring on the last game of the season on a team that we were out of the playoffs. But it's guys, still, you're already on the plane to Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> down to South Beach. But yeah, it was, it was, it's a surreal moment for everyone that that is lucky enough to do it. So um, it's pretty cool. What was it like going from, you know, I guess that hockey hotbed in Minnesota down to Florida? And then I guess the second part is like, who are some of the veteran guys that kind of helped you uh, along besides sitting with Mott's on the plane and listening to his stories? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, going to Florida was a whole different, just a whole different market from what I'm used to. I handed the lady my sticks at my first development camp. I handed her at the uh, kiosk at the uh, airport. And she looks at me and goes, what are these? I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> Not in Minnesota anymore. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of uh, older guys when I was there. So I, I think Brad Boys was a really good one for me. to. He's a forward and um, kind of a, obviously a really good goal scorer for the Bees. He even scored 20, I think, with, with the Panthers for us uh, once or twice. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, Ed Jovanovski um there were some beauties scotty upshaw we had a lot of different guys that uh a lot of different personalities that kind of came in and then um you know there's obviously some guys there you got barkov and huberto that that kind of grew up with you know there were some growing pains where, where i came in and um you know team was in a rebuild so there were um like i said an assortment of different older guys that were um, some of them at the end, uh, Scotty Gomez was there. So he was, a he was a fun one to listen to and kind of learn from and, uh, you know, kind of a no BS guy. So it was good for me. He'd put me in my place a few times. I tried putting, I was thinking about putting rims on my, uh, Chevy Tahoe and, uh, and he was like, he looked at me and goes, Bukey, are you really going to, you going to pull into your hometown in Minnesota with, 24 inch rims <laughs> and i'm like you know what that's you're right i'm not doing it so guys like that where it's like you kind of there's times where you get you know there's i don't know there's just different experiences where you, you need to learn from these older guys so um yager came in at, at one point my third or fourth year and uh just seeing what he does and um yeah just so many different guys that yeah, you had hazy down there too jimmy Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy is awesome. We got to room with each other on the road, and um, you know, we did a lot, did a lot together for those few years that he was there, and um, just, just a joy to be around that guy. Uh, you know, we all, we all love him and miss him, and 
That's for sure. Uh, yeah. So definitely uh, that that's for me playing hockey is like meeting people, you know, and I'm good friends with your brother. Like you're just, just great human beings that you get to tell stories with your entire life. And, um, you know, when you see each other, you, you just, you never really, uh, it seems like you never miss time away from each other. So that's, that's really what I cherish is the relationships. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I also know you had a, a great relationship with the homeless community down there. You used to cot them around, and uh, even with your your pregnant wife Jackie in the car. <laughs> yeah, I figured Keith was going to throw something. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we had, uh, we were leaving the arena. It was not homeless. Let's let's. Uh, yeah. He was sitting there. He, he, there was a guy in the Capitals Ovechkin jersey. You, sign, you, you roll down the window, and there were a few fans assigned for him. This guy, he's like, hey, man. He's like, I'm staying downtown Fort Lauderdale. My phone's out of battery. I can't get an Uber. And it is later in the night. So I'm like, gosh, I look over at my wife, and she's like wide-eyed. Like, you're not doing this, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not proud, I'm not proud of it because I put my wife in the back. And, no. <laughs> Oh, we rode home. This guy, he's actually a, he was a, he's actually a really big beauty. He wasn't BSing us. We dropped him off at his hotel. He was like legit. I think he'd had a few too many cocktails. Uh, but yeah, my <laughs> wife was just like, man, like, that you can't do that. So <laughs> he was pregnant to too, Mots. He made her get in the back <laughs> I don't even know if Keith knows that part. That, that's the icing on the cake there. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I would hope if my phone ran out of battery, I'd hope someone would be like, "Yeah, I'll hit you right." You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. This day and age, I don't know if I would yeah, suggest it, I but know. I look back on it, probably wouldn't do it again. But <laughs> the way Keith told me the story too, it's like you were basically like an Uber driver for homeless people on for a lot of too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He throws a, a little, little salt and pepper. Yeah, a little, little S and P on the story. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that's awesome that's awesome um well also i mean down there you know i can i can you you definitely probably taught keith and and Kristen and them how to uh drive a boat and all that stuff you guys are pretty pretty outdoorsmen i think actually your wife drove the boat when and picked us up for dinner yeah yeah she grew up she grew up on uh grew up on the lake she's she's from wisconsin so um yeah, I mean, living in Florida, the the living conditions obviously are unbelievable, and um, we all kind of enjoyed that. We all lived in an area. All the younger guys and Keith, I always say that and he gets pissed off, but <laughs> he was a few years older than us. But we had like ten guys that all lived in that uh, area where the canals are, so um, got to enjoy that. Do a little fishing. I didn't really like a deep sea fish and I have no idea what's going on. I lo- I was lucky enough. Willie Mitchell, that's someone who I left out, who was a big part of mentorship. That's a guy that uh, became really good friends with. And uh, he obviously grew up in Vancouver. So he, he bought a big 40 uh, foot boat with three 300s on the back. So I was like, I was loving it. Cause we'd go out after practice and we'd go fishing. He'd teach me, you know, we caught some, caught some big fish caught a big sailfish and um yeah so I, being in florida is totally like is a great time at, at my age to be down there and experience something different you know i grew up just sheltered kid uh didn't really know anything about the world or 
um, let alone South Florida because it's a, it's a different world down there. Um, but I loved it. I loved the community and the people down there. So um, it was definitely a good time. So as far as having some success, that second year you led the team in scoring. But, you know, as you, you like I was telling you earlier about progressing and finding your game. Uh, High-powered offense that team was, Mott, huh? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> led the team with like 15 points. Yeah, no, it, wasn't <laughs> it is the most insane stat. So, I, yeah, I always say I'm in the record books, but that's not like a great record. It was, I think it was 38 points. Yeah, they led the team. Uh, <laughs> it's me and Scotty Upshaw were going head to head at the at that last game. But yeah, 76 I mean, games played, 38 points. Upshaw at 37. Yeah, yeah. And and Brian Campbell had thirty seven too. Yeah, wow. Sufi was there too. Um, but yeah, like I, there were some growing pains, and then we had we had some years where we were kind of we were um, becoming really good. We won the division one year. Um, obviously, we had the Glomp firing the next year, which was tough. Um, all the boys really loved him. He's obviously a well liked coach and a successful coach. So that was tough. Um, but you know, and then we kind of found it again. But there, there's it's so many ebbs and flows, and things can change so fast um, in the NHL that you really um, you got to take advantage of, of what you can. And and if you're a good team, you gotta you gotta cherish that. So um, yeah, we had a good squad with with Keith, and um, you know, we had some fun guys down there. So definitely look back and. Um, you know, grateful for playing there. No, that's awesome. I wanted to bring it back real quick because I, I I left out the fact that you know you ended up uh, playing in the World Juniors um, a couple years, right? And and what was it like? You know, obviously after turning down the national development t- program, but then actually like representing your country. Uh, I know World Juniors will be coming up here pretty soon. It's, it must must have been pretty special. Yeah, that's yeah that that is something else. We got to play in Buffalo and. Um, I think we, yeah, we took bronze that year. Next year we didn't do too well. I won't even tell you how we did, but um, just thrown on the USA jersey. It's, um, you know, you do those festivals uh, growing up, and um, those are always, they were always super nerve wracking for me, you know, because it's sizing up against guys around the country and um, just kind of seeing where you're at. But um, yeah, I think. You know, World Juniors is such a, a cool thing where you, you really get to see if you have that ability uh, to play at the next level. It's such a fast pace. I think it's, it is the closest thing you can get to the NHL. So uh, when I started playing in that, I think that's when I started to gain the confidence. Like, ooh, maybe, you know, maybe I can make it to the next level. Um, I think that, that that allowed me to, um, you know, have that mentality. But um you know, it's just a fun tournament for everyone to watch. I wish it was more popular in the U.S. like it is in Canada. They're nuts about it. So, um, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to play both those years. Yeah, it's a great, great tournament. Like you said, high level. But then that light bulb kind of goes off for you when you have some success and you, you're playing with, you know, age appropriate but elite of the elite. And um, I always remembered – you know, after I went, um, it was like 98 or whatever, 97, 98. And I really had a good second half of the year in college, um, because I just had some, some confidence, you know, swag. yeah. And you know, we, there was two line offside back then. 
that we had to play in international. And then you come back and, you know, I love the stretch passes. So it was just, but it just gave you, it elevated your play really. And then, you know, it was really nice to uh, kind of see that progression and that, and that natural um, kind of like bump in your own game and, and use it as a springboard. Talk yeah. about aging yourself, Mots. <laughs> the two line passes. <laughs> two line passes. I know. Oh yeah, man, I, I was gonna say that it like wasn't even on TV in the U.S. or something, but now it, I mean, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, the two line pass. I'll never understand how that was a rule. That is insane. We used to play it in shinny uh, hockey, and it was actually really good because like it just no eliminated the guy hanging. Yeah. Yeah. And oh yeah. It was it was it was good. It was good. Like in the summers and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, that's the only way I, I knew how to play it, but <laughs> Mott's playing. Oh man. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Black and white VHS <laughs> two line pass. <laughs> uh, didn't even have clear tape either. <laughs> no uh, chance. No, no. The clear. OG bots. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. No, but like you say, oh, those that's great. I, that's you, great. You wonder, um, like, Oh, go ahead, guys. Good. Uh, I'm just saying, like, no, those you're good. Tournaments you're good. Are, like, there's different scenarios in your career where it's like, I wonder if I wouldn't have made it if I didn't have those springboards of confidence or those situations where, you know, you actually had that belief in yourself. And confidence is the biggest thing in sports. That's, you know, that's what it comes down to, obviously, God-given talent and hard work. But if you don't have your confidence, like, it's it's difficult to make it to the next level so i think that's where parents and um you know even kids need to be conscious of uh you know the way they're thinking and how they're kind of handling situations um you know some guys are just more naturally confident um than others but you know sometimes it takes a certain culture situation to to do that and uh yeah like i said the the, the world juniors and um, those festivals, those USA hockey festivals were things where kind of made you think you could, you know, keep going and make it the next level. Speaking of conference, what was it like, you know, when you ultimately get traded from, from Florida, but like walking into a room in Pittsburgh with, you know, hall of famers, really like, you know, the, the Crosby's Malkins, Latangs of the world. What was, what was that experience like? It was wild, yeah. I, I, we got traded as Jared, me and Jared McCann, and uh, we got traded for uh, Broussard and Riley Shahan the day of the game. Florida Panthers were playing, the Penguins were playing. We had just gotten done with pregame meal, got the call um, that we were hopping on a plane to play in Pittsburgh that night, and we literally showed up at game time. Like we didn't even get to warm up. We walked in with our equipment, Florida Panther bags kind of going just what's up guys you know and we're they're going over the power play everything you're trying to just grasp the fact that you're in a different locker room thrown on a different jersey um so we got thrown into that very quickly and um you know that being in pittsburgh um obviously you know that's a culture that's um well solidified and it's won uh you know three cups in the last 12 13 years whatever it is um so I got to learn a lot from guys like Sid and, um, you know, being around just, you know, that, that kind of culture and atmosphere definitely it was, 
uh, fun to be a part of. I remember the first practice that we had just gotten off all, all-star break and the week, week long break. So we were, you know, we were in the Bahamas for five, six days and you only had a couple skates and the first practice I had with them, it was like, it was the fastest practice I'd ever been a part of. I was like, this is insane. Um, which is, I mean, it, says a lot about obviously the coaching staff but more so i think it's it's sid who just he's the best one of the best players in the world and he's uh working harder than you know your your healthy scratches and um you know i think that's where it really sets the tone where if you can get a good leader like that uh it trickles all the way down the lineup yeah i mean he's a special player and his work ethic is is uh, pretty amazing, you know. You, you see some, see him, one of the best players in the world, working at things after practice, and and those little plays that you see uh, him executing games. So he's just a great role model for any kid to watch. But even being uh, on his team, I'm sure that was must must have been a thrill. Yeah, super good dude. Just wants to be one of the guys to not like separate himself. Uh, um, obviously, he's an elite all star, but he he just wanted to be a part of the team and he made sure everyone felt welcome um no matter who they were uh which is pretty cool i like telling the story uh, w- the first plane ride we were on i i was getting off the plane grabbing my bags and everyone was kind of already off the plane and there's trash all over the plane whatever guys leave stuff out and don't grab their water bottles and sit his back there cleaning like younger guys's uh areas and throwing them in the trash making sure everything's clean i'm like well you got you got the best players in the world you know making sure everything's um done right and i i I just thought that was pretty incredible where um you know it's not like he's uh you know a fake leader he is legitimate um so yeah I, i thought that was pretty cool seeing that i couldn't believe it actually yeah, that's amazing. That's uh, and it's a great lesson for the, for you know our younger listeners and kids. It's like you, you, they have the best player in the in the best player that will ever game. He stopped the trash at the back of the plane is uh, is pretty special and just goes to talk about his you know his leadership qualities. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, as far as getting the call uh, <clears throat> to come back home to Minnesota, what was that call like? Must have been pretty exciting. Yeah, it was crazy. I so I had had a tough kind of go in Pittsburgh uh, as far as health wise. Uh, I had two two groin surgeries, and then within the rehab, I had my my second back surgery. So I was <laughs> I was home during the bubble. I didn't even get to make it to the bubble because I had surgery. So I was in kind of a uh, a tough spot, I think mentally, just, I, I didn't really know where I was headed. I didn't know if I was going to be able to play again, which is a crazy thought. Um, so I, I had gotten the call, I think it was September, um, from Billy Guerin. And I think Billy was uh, a pretty big reason why I was in Pittsburgh in the first place. So my agents called me and <laughs> they, they toyed with me. Hank was, Ben Hankinson was toying with me, like just checking in. He's like, yeah, you know, I don't think a lot of teams want you right now, like giving me the whole bit. And I'm like, all right, what's going on? It's a Friday night. You're not, you don't call me Hank on a Friday night just to shoot, to shoot the shit, shoot the crap. Sorry. Uh, no, but, so yeah, he ended up telling me and uh, that, that was a pretty, pretty cool phone call. And, um obviously you know pittsburgh i loved it there it wasn't that i didn't like it or 
um, anything like that. It just, uh, you know, they, they move things pretty quick if it doesn't work out for a guy. Um, and in my case, I had missed basically the whole, the whole previous year and, um, just really couldn't find a way to get healthy. I kept re-tearing my groins and, um, then the back came along and I'm sure they looked at it like, oh, I don't know this guy's going to be able to survive. And, um, you know, not now in the last couple of years, I've kind of, you know, I've always taken care of my body, but not really consciously, um, understood my body. Um, so I've, I've had to take a step there where, um, you know, we're all different shapes and sizes and we have different things happen to us at different points. So I think if I could go back in time when I was a kid, kind of learning body awareness and, and that's, that's where I kind of stress playing different sports because hockey, we're in, uh, you know, the skating position that we're in, that, that's not such a natural movement. Um, so if you're doing that all the time, uh, if you're overdoing it, you might not pay the price in high school or college at some point, the, the, the car, the, the engine's going to go on you. So you, you got to learn about your body. And, um, you know, I learned the hard way, but, um, still learning. And, you know, I, I kind of, you have to look at it like it's like, it's a blessing and, um, you know, hopefully down the road, I can help, help some people out with, uh, you know, maybe some kids or whatever, but, um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, being in Minnesota, it's different, different role for me, you know, um, but I, I love being here. It's, it's a great team to be a part of. And, um, you know, it's been awesome. Is there somebody that you've been like working with now to, you know, kind of help you stay on the right track? We, we did have, uh, Sean Scahan on the podcast who, uh, is obviously the strength and conditioning coach with the, with the wild is a great guy. And, you know, I coached his son for a year and, uh, but is there somebody that like you've kind of really used as a resource to, to, you know, help you along and getting healthy and, and staying healthy? Excuse me. Yeah. Sean's been awesome. He's a, he's had a back surgery himself, so he can, he can relate um, to kind of the stuff I go through or what I need to do um, as far as pre- preventative maintenance goes. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've basically, you know, I've, I've always been interested in so many different things and I never really narrowed it down. And now basically I have my strength guy. Um, I have my physio, um, and I kind of have my yoga breath work. Uh, it's kind of a different realm of what hockey guys are used to, but I, I had to kind of expand my horizons and, uh, I found that has really helped. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I keep it simple, but I also, kind of know the complexities of kind of what my body can handle um and a lot of times that's rest you know a lot of times i think as players especially when i was young it's like oh i need to be doing i need to be in the weight room i you know i i I think i almost overdid it at times where i think that can be a detriment to an athlete where you're having anxiety about not being good enough of a player um, you just go to the weight room and bag yourself and that's great. That, that, that's a great thing. Cause it's going to help you, you know, obviously become mentally tougher, stronger. Um, but there's times where you also have to listen to your body and know, all right, like now's not the time I didn't, I slept like crap last night. You know, I, I need a little rest. Um, so I think that's important as you get older as a player, obviously when you're a kid, you can bounce off the walls and be fine and bounce back from anything. But, um, it's definitely for me just learning how to, uh, 
kind of be more in tune with myself and my body. You mentioned earlier about uh, take, taking on a, a little bit different role, so adapting from you know a, a scoring forward to more of a defensive role and taking that role on and really embracing it. Um, was there a little transition there, or were you? I mean, it takes a lot to you know take a step back sometimes and do that as a player. But did you find it a tougher adjustment, or are you just embracing it because you know you're the good guy that you are and you're doing whatever it takes to help the team win? Yeah, I mean, the, the period, the pyramid gets smaller and smaller as you get older. And, um, you know, I, I, I do think I, you know, I was given great opportunity. I was younger. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, if you can't adapt in this league or at any point in your career, it's, uh, it makes it hard to survive. So I, I think for me, you know, I came in last year when I got traded to the wild, my big thing was I will do whatever like I need to do to, you know, help the team win. And that's kind of where I'm at as a, um, as an athlete, I want to win a Stanley cup. I mean, we all want to win Stanley cups, but uh, you know, sometimes you got to make different sacrifices and understand, you know, your role might diminish a bit. Um, and just accepting that, you know, not totally accepting it. You want to work and you obviously want to try to work your way up the lineup and do the best you can there. But, um, you know, I think trying to stay positive and, you know, you, you don't ever uh, want to complain about a situation because, you know, you're you're bringing your teammates down and um, you're not helping the culture of the room. So for me, I'm at the point where wherever they want me, wherever they need me, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm there. So um, I think, uh, you know, I, it's kind of a second life for me after the back surgeries and the groins. I, like I said, I didn't really know if I was going to be able to um, continue on and um, knock on wood. It's been good so far. I feel really good and, um, you know, be a part of a good team and chance to win a Stanley Cup. That's that's the ultimate for me. Oh, that's awesome. And obviously you guys have created such a, a you know, Billy Garen those guys have created such a great atmosphere in Minnesota and you guys are one of the hottest teams in the league last night. I was, uh, I was watching the game versus Edmonton and uh, it was oh, a hilarious story. Actually, I'm sitting there watching the game and all I can hear is this dog barking. And I'm like, somebody like, I'm thinking one of my neighbors left their dog out. You know what I mean? And then I changed the channel and I don't hear it. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and my wife's like, you idiot. There's a dog clearly in the rink and it's barking. But like, could you guys hear that? I couldn't hear it. No. It was unbelievable. I'm like, Come why on, is this, I, I, why I is this dog that. barking at the, uh, uh, and then I'm like doing the math. I'm like, a dog's allowed at the rinks. And you know, maybe it was the same dog from Philly that took a big dump on the logo or something, <laughs> you know, it brought him oh, up there. Man, I saw that. That's crazy. Yeah. I think people can bring their dogs if they have, uh, service yeah, dog or something from the doctor i think you're good to go yeah no i was i was laughing because my wife's like you're an idiot like it's not the neighbor's <laughs> dog <laughs> oh that's no, it was funny i just want to thank you for coming on Bugie. you know you're uh, such a, a great guy gentleman you know professional on and off the ice and uh just thank you for taking the time out and and chatting us up and, and you, you had a lot of great stuff there for our listeners and it's always good to hear it from someone who's gone through it and who's in it right now. So we really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's good. Yeah. With you. Thanks, Bugie. And obviously uh, I'll leave you with this. And we always uh, 
you know, you, you try to do your research and get some funny stories and things like that. But one thing that, that, you know, Keith said was, you know, he's one of the best guys and one of the most loyal friends and teammates you could ever find. So that's always a, a good way to end things. And, and you know, as, as many funny stories and, and things like that that I'm sure are out there, I think that's the most important message is, you know, being a good guy and a good teammate and, and you know, knowing how your teammates feel about you. So we wish you the best of luck. Um, the rest of the way with the Wild will be pulling for you. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, sounds good. Appreciate it. All right, Mots, that was a great interview with uh, Nick Bukestad. Um, that interview was also brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage. If you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, having a quick chat with our friend Chris Devin and see if it makes sense for you. Uh, many people don't understand the impact that a refinance can have on their monthly savings or overall wealth. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis so that you can put more money into your savings or other projects. Check him out at chrisdevin.com and he at the team at Cross Country can let you know if they can save you some dough. Cross Country Mortgage LLC, NMLS number 47305. Well, that was a great interview with Nick Bugstead. Uh, what a guy. I mean, his path, his, his demeanor, he's just a, he's a, just a great dude. Yeah, just a great teammate, great person. Uh, love the story about his father taking him to lay brick at 13 years old and, you know, do that for a couple of weeks and see what you want to be when you grow up, kid. You know what I mean? So just very relatable. I, you know, I loved his loyalty and his path and the way he talked about his high school teammates and everything there. It was really uh, terrific stuff. And like I said to him uh, at the end of the interview, obviously, you know, when, when, my brother talks about him and talks about as just being a loyal friend and a great teammate. Um, you know, what, what more can you ask out of a guy really? Yeah. And that you kind of nailed it. Um, at the end there, I briefly played with him. He was early in his career, but still the same, same kid, same guy, stand up. Um, always a smile on his face. Yeah. Just a, just a really sweet person. And we wish him the best in Minnesota and we wish them the best uh, down the stretch in the second half. Um, Mots, I got a couple questions for you here. Um, it is Christmas time, so I, I wanted to tee you up a bit and see. I know your drum set probably isn't going to be coming. Um, you've been waiting 40 some odd years for that, but we're working on it. We, uh, we, we, we might have a special guest coming up here soon that we can talk to you about getting you. Uh, some type of drum situation, but that's it. I don't want you to to wake up on Christmas morning all upset when you don't get the drums, but um, what was your favorite uh, Christmas gift as a kid? Anything Uh, stick out? Yeah. um, I would have to say the first year I got rollerblades. Ooh. It was like a, it was a rainy Christmas and I was out there just like, buzzing around like slipping and sliding all over but it was a major upgrade from wearing my sister's strawberry shortcake roller skates <laughs> so uh i was pumped you know i got the you know they had the orange wheels and you know it was um yeah that was a quite a thrill mm-hmm. uh, i would say that would probably be my best oh that's good what about you um i think I remember a couple, you know, I forget whether they were the new vapors or they were definitely, they might've even been the Nikes, but they were, you know, they were definitely very expensive skates. And, and, you know, I remember um, getting them for Christmas and, you know, my parents and my uncle, my uncle Paul, my godfather, they kind of, you know, went 
50 50 on them and got me a new you know new pair of wheels which was uh was you know pretty special i can't i just can't remember i think they were like the new nikes and i was you know around that high school age and i just thought they looked like sick you know what i mean but that's something um you know my godfather paul py we call him he uh he was, you know, always stepped up to the plate and helped my parents out. And, and you know, so I'll, I'll never forget those those little gifts, that's for sure. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about as like a, a dad, the best kind of present that you gave the uh, kids? I don't know if it's collective or, or whatnot. I, I just thought of that because I used to stick a, a, you know, we have one boy, three girls. So it was like easy to do sports stuff with uh, Ryan, but um, he used to stick a stick in the, uh, in the tree and like hide it. You know, that was like his big gift. But uh, you know, when, you know, selfishly too, like this was for me, but we went to the, we, I got tickets to the winter classic. And put oh, the tree for Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah. So I was like, yeah, there you go. I'm like, oh, I'm coming with you. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I can't really. Same thing. I love. I love the surprise of a stick when when Santa shows up with something like that. You know what I mean. Uh, and then I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I think yeah. I mean, it, it it seems to be that my kids, especially, they're at the age now where it's like mostly, you know, hockey skates, hockey sticks, uh, sporting equipment, whether it's baseball gloves. I remember Liam last year. My youngest got like uh, catches set, and he was like fired up just yeah, like yeah. wearing it around the house yeah. and like and and you know baseball season especially here is not for like it feels like six months away but he was like so jacked up right away it was you know taking it out and uh putting it in his own baseball bag and and all that all that gear so he he loved that but yeah i think you know overall it, it seems to be the common theme in in my house just like you know i guess when i was younger too it was it you know hockey stuff and different different sporting equipment uh, what do we got next? Oh, what about your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, I think it's, it's changed a lot. A, yeah, it, it's changed a bit. It, it was Christmas Story. You know, you'll shoot your eye out. Yeah, yeah that's an old school classic. But I'm classic. I, I really enjoy Elf. Oh yeah, that's an <laughs> unbelievable movie. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's hilarious. I actually called Liam Buddy the Elf today. <laughs> he loves like just the kid loves it. What about you? Uh, I like a couple movies that I just can't not watch when they're on. Is obviously like I love the original Home Alone, just like a classic. And then I think I'd have to go like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, like, <laughs> Uncle, it, like Uncle Eddie, like it's <laughs> it. it it's it just everything about it, like the the neighbor next door when he's just they torturing them, and it, it's just it, it's amazing. I, I just so can't, good. I just can't not watch the thing. So I think, uh, you know, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation just it, it definitely takes. And I love like I love that his name Chevy Chase's name's like she calls him Spocky and stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. it just like it, it's just it's just unbelievable to me. I, I was asked this the other no day. Rust. No lines. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I was asked this the other day. Is is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I I, I I've heard that before. Like I, it's kind of based around Christmas. It's at a Christmas. You know, isn't it like, like a, a Christmas, Christmas party? party? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like I, yeah, I guess so. 
Yeah, I mean, John McClane doing his thing, saving mm-hmm. Nakatomi Towers. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that in a while. Yeah, I just thought uh, it was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that is. That, I've heard that conversation before. How about the favorite uh, Christmas song? Ah, uh, there's so many good ones. There um, really is. Uh, I would have to go with, I mean, I like Little Drummer Boy, uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Happy Christmas by John Lennon. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like it. I like it. What about, <laughs> what about, and it's not a, a Christmas song, but like Adam Sandler, the, uh, what, why can't I think of the, the, the name of it, the, it's about Hanukkah, obviously. Uh, the Hanukkah song. The Hanukkah song, like it, like that's unbelievable. That just popped into my head. But I think, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> I like listen to that Adam Sandler song now. Yeah, it's it's so it's been so long, but it just that just came to my like that's unbelievable. Instead yeah. of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. Uh, <laughs> That's it's unbelievable. Um, but uh, you know what song gets me every time is Dominic the Donkey. <laughs> <laughs> it stays in your head all day. Oh, it, oh, literally. I heard it. I was just driving home with Joanna and it came on uh, the radio. I was so fired up. <laughs> She's like, no way. Uh, but I, it, I'm, I'm definitely a big Mariah Carey all I want for Christmas guy, too. Wow, and that. then, uh, it, it, yeah. And then I did hear another one recently. Uh, <laughs> Santa Claus is coming to town by Bruce Springsteen. I like that one too. Yeah. I, there's so many good ones. There really is. There really is. Uh, the, the Christmas uh, holiday um, Pandora station and let it rip. I don't know. They got to get the, the the Adam Sandler song in there. <laughs> Dude, I love that song. It's unbelievable. I'm going to listen to it after this. Uh, well, uh, Mott's like, the time this will be released, it'll be uh, probably Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. So Merry Christmas to everyone. Hopefully uh, everybody will gets what they want under the tree, that's for sure. Yeah, we wish everyone a happy holiday and have a great, great little break from the rink and get back uh, fresh, fresh start after Christmas here. Yeah, definitely make sure uh, we do have um, next week. We'll have another episode that'll be a mailbag episode. So make sure you guys get your questions in at the Ring Shrinks. You can hit us up on uh, Instagram or Twitter at Ring Shrinks. And uh, the mailbag, obviously, the number there is 3476-SHRINK, 347-674-7465. Or you can email us any questions, rinkshrinks at gmail.com. Um, once again, thank you to the sponsors, uh, Franklin Street Hockey, TSR Hockey, Cross Country Mortgage, and Skit Scott. Uh, like Mott said, happy holidays and cue the Rink Shrink Shuffle. Oh, clickety clack. It's Dominic the Donkey. Clickety clack. It's Dominic the Donkey. La da da. It's coming back to you. La da da da. La da da, la 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 la